For 13 years, we had a table in the large conference room at Pixar that we call West One. Though it was beautiful, I grew to hate this table. It was long and skinny, like one of those things you'd see in a comedy sketch about an old wealthy couple that sits down for dinner, one person at either end, a candelabra in the middle, and has to shout to make conversation. The table had been chosen by a designer Steve Jobs liked, and it was elegant, all right, but it impeded our work. We'd hold regular meetings about our movies around that table, thirty of us facing off in two long lines, often with more people seated along the walls, and everyone was so spread out that it was difficult to communicate. For those unlucky enough to be seated at the far ends, ideas didn't flow because it was nearly impossible to make eye contact without craning your neck. Moreover, because it was important that the director and producer of the film in question be able to hear what everyone was saying, they had to be placed at the center of the table. So did Pixar's creative leaders, John Lasseter, Pixar's creative officer, and me, and a handful of our most experienced directors, producers, and writers. To ensure that these people were always seated together, someone began making place cards. We might as well have been at a formal dinner party. When it comes to creative inspiration, job titles and hierarchy are meaningless. That's what I believe. But unwittingly, we were allowing this table and the resulting place card ritual to send a different message. The closer you were seated to the middle of the table, it implied, the more important, the more central, you must be. And the farther away, the less likely you were to speak up. Your distance from the heart of the conversation made participating feel intrusive. If the table was crowded, as it often was, still more people would sit in chairs around the edges of the room, creating yet a third tier of participants, those at the center of the table, those at the ends, and those not at the table at all. Without intending to, we'd created an obstacle that discouraged people from jumping in. Over the course of a decade, we held countless meetings around this table in this way, completely unaware of how doing so undermined our own core principles. Why were we blind to this? Because the seating arrangements and place cards were designed for the convenience of the leaders, including me. Sincerely believing that we were in an inclusive meeting, we saw nothing amiss because we didn't feel excluded. Those not sitting at the center of the table, meanwhile, saw quite clearly how it established a pecking order, but presumed that we, the leaders, had intended that outcome. Who were they then to complain? It wasn't until we happened to have a meeting in a smaller room with a square table that John and I realized what was wrong. Sitting around that table, the interplay was better, the exchange of ideas more free-flowing, the eye contact automatic. Every person there, no matter their job title, felt free to speak up. This was not only what we wanted. It was a fundamental Pixar belief. Unhindered communication was key, no matter what your position. At our long, skinny table, comfortable in our middle seats, we had utterly failed to recognize that we were behaving contrary to that basic tenet. Over time, we'd fallen into a trap. 
Even though we were conscious that a room's dynamics are critical to any good discussion, even though we believed that we were constantly on the lookout for problems, our vantage point blinded us to what was right before our eyes. Emboldened by this new insight, I went to our facilities department. Please, I said, I don't care how you do it, but get that table out of there. I wanted something that could be arranged into a more intimate square so people could address each other directly and not feel like they didn't matter. A few days later, as a critical meeting on an upcoming movie approached, our new table was installed, solving the problem.